I'm Jared Rizzi. This is At the Table. When you and I last came together, we were celebrating America's birthday, a moment I marked with a discussion of the people who I believe most fervently adhere to the promise of this country right now. That is the families who are waiting, cold and hungry, ignored and abused on the concrete floors of the concentration camps that we have decided to set up on our southern border. Now, there are more humane solutions to an immigration problem that we face in this country. But Trump has decided that cruelty is going to be his deterrent. This country has abundance. And when you have abundance, you can choose to build a taller fence or build a longer table. It is abundantly clear which option this administration prefers, and it is our choice, you and I, to do otherwise. When I think about building a longer table, I'm reminded of Langston Hughes, who wrote, I, too, sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes. But I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Who is at our table and what they say, that can be our strength if we allow it. We now expect that this coming weekend, ICE officials will start rounding up and deporting immigrant families. The raids will target those who recently crossed the border or who didn't appear in court. The policy will also target any immigrants who happen to be around during the seizures. The administration has referred to these people as collateral damage. The raids were originally planned to start two weeks ago. But Trump delayed action due to vocal criticism from immigration officials, congressional Democrats. Speaker Pelosi has called the raids heartless. We've seen through private messages, Facebook groups exposing bigotry that's barely under the surface for many of these government officials. I think heartless is perhaps the best we could have hoped for. As The Atlantic's Adam Serwer recently phrased, the cruelty is the point. These raids are the next procedural step as the administration pursues its remain in Mexico policy for migrants and asylum seekers. It's more formally known as migrant protection protocols. And since January, the administration has instructed immigrants to wait for their court hearing in Mexico rather than the United States, as was standard in the past. Federal courts have tried to halt these changes as recently as April responding to lawsuits alleging that the Trump policy denies those crossing the border their due process. But the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals lifted the injunction and has allowed Remain in Mexico to stand for now. The raids, and really the threat of raids, are ultimately an act of intimidation, a message the Trump administration hopes to send to families considering crossing the border. You are not wanted here. But those families in El Paso, Brownsville, Laredo, Yuma, elsewhere, they still believe the promise of America anyway. But back to the raids. Immigration and Customs Enforcement will largely target families nationwide, including in major cities, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, Atlanta, Houston, Miami, Baltimore, New Orleans. Maybe New Orleans will get spared because... Climate change is bringing another major hurricane to overtop the levees. 
Well, what is now, as I'm speaking these words, just a tropical storm in the Gulf, that's Tropical Storm Barry, or maybe the administration will once again prefer to use its prosecutorial prerogative in a way that cuts against Latinx folks, even in the face of extreme weather. Who's to say? If ICE agents, by the way, come to you or your home or your neighbors, remember your rights. Agents may not enter a home using force. They require a warrant. Even if they have a deportation warrant, they still require consent to enter. The ACLU recommends that you keep your door closed, speak to officials through the door, and ask them to hold up a warrant to the window or slide it underneath the door. Most importantly, resources like immigration defense lawyers can aid in delaying and sometimes even preventing families' removal from the country. Without a lawyer present, you don't have to sign anything, say anything, and a lawyer can advise you on the next possible steps. I hate that we have to say these things to protect our friends and neighbors, but we've seen what law enforcement will do with glee when they are not checked. When I think about the conversation you and I have together, I also think of the best choice that I've made in the last few years, which is to host a regular family-style dinner in my home a few times a month. My wife and I started in April of 2016. This Friday will be our 69th one. Please make your jokes in the comments section of whatever podcast app you are using to hear this, and I will share the best slash worst ones on Twitter because, of course, I obsessively read the comments. So every few weeks, about a dozen people join my wife and I for dinner. It has been an incredible way to see family, to see friends, to make found family, intentional community, and share a meal and a conversation, and often too much wine, and sometimes my fire pit, sometimes some scotch. We have fun, is what I'm trying to say. But more to the point, we get to be with each other without the pressures of work or the urgency of a restaurant or a bar or a club. When is the last time you had a bunch of people to your home? Was it the holidays? Hospitality is good for the soul. And we'd be better off if we applied that value to our policies of who can stay here in this country. I rarely know everyone who's coming to my house for these dinners. We encourage guests to bring their own friends. And we have managed to stave off that difficulty of keeping and making friends in our 30s because of this experiment. We have abundance, my wife and I, but also this country. How we choose to share it says a lot about us. Again, Langston Hughes. Tomorrow, I'll be at the table. When company comes, nobody will dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Who you have at your table reveals a lot about you and what you value. New York Court of Appeals ruled this week that Trump cannot block users on Twitter. On Wednesday, Britain's ambassador to the United States resigned after emails criticizing Trump leaked to the public. The president hosted a social media summit today that excluded officials from Google, Facebook, and Twitter, but in the spirit of social media, created an echo chamber of controversial media figures who all have one thing in common. They have been effusive in their praise of him. So it's not just who sits at the table. It's who gets to speak. Those older than you, they may want you to be seen but not heard. There's no kitty section at the table, as far as I'm concerned. That would be easier, maybe. Maybe you'd take comfort knowing that you get to play while others do the choosing. That is work we cannot leave to others. 
And so we must speak and we must advocate for those voices who need our amplification. And this administration, this president cares very much, by the way, about who gets to speak. The Trump White House picked these loyalists for its social media summit today, from standard conservatives to serial plagiarists, alt-right trolls and outright white supremacists with a few QAnon conspiracy wingnuts thrown in for bad measure. And allegedly this forum is to reward those who boost Trump and to shield them from the repercussions of social media censorship policies. One person deemed too controversial, a cartoonist who often features anti-Semitic imagery, had his invitation rescinded mere days ago. The censorship of it! I save my concern for what slips through the cracks of these policies, because hate, threats, abuse... That has not diminished for those in vulnerable communities, especially LGBT people, women, Jews. I compare the death threats I used to get all the time as a journalist covering the Trump campaign and the Trump White House. And by the way, it was always worse for anyone who was less white or less straight or less male than I was. To the slaps on the wrist people advocating actual violence are getting these days. It's insulting to any thinking person. Who we invite into our homes my house or the White House, it matters. Who we let speak, that matters too. I did enjoy the irony recently when the president decided to call out those who want to boycott Home Depot because one of its co-funders gave $7 million to support Trump's 2016 campaign and has promised to continue to support Trump's re-election. Trump argued that it's the left who wants to use the invisible hand of the market to push aside criticism. He's gaslighting all the times he told us to boycott Apple, AT&T, the NFL, CNN, Harley Davidson, the Megyn Kelly show, Univision, Nike, Macy's, when they had the audacity to criticize him, his administration or his policies. I'm sure the people who were granted White House access for this social media summit will crow about the prime treatment they're getting from the president who seems to only reward those who preen his feathers. Who knows what reciprocal affection he'll grant them. But we can be a better example in big policy and philosophy ideas and in small ways with our attitudes and hospitality. The last verse from Hughes. Besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I too am America. We're here to remind each other to sit down to take up space, to make our voices heard, and pass the salt. Thanks for spending some time with me at the table.